welcome to Sonic Talk, episode 430. Yes, I know we skipped one, but I got a little bit confused, but that's where the numbering is at the moment. So if you're wondering what happened to 428, it's not there. Don't bother looking for it. It's the lost episode, but it never was recorded, so don't worry about it also. Uh, I want to say thank you very much to our show sponsors. Obviously, Isotope will be sponsoring the show. Uh, We're going to be giving away a copy of Ozone 7 just in time for Christmas, so stay tuned for that. And also, UVI Falcon. Creative hybrid instrument from UVI. For more information, go to bit.ly slash stfalcon. Excellent. Right, we now have a panel. Uh, we also maybe have another member joining us soon, and uh, maybe that'll be a bit of a surprise. But in the meantime, let's say hello to everybody. We'll start over here with uh, Mr. Mark Tinley, likebeing.com, creative thinker, sound artist, and uh, multiple hat wearer. How are you, Mark? I'm all very well. Uh, all of me. All of and you. And all of my hats are well as well. Excellent. You must have a massive hat drawer. <clears throat> you caught me unawares because I was researching the number 428 and the meaning of it, you see. <laughs> I want to see if I... Well, I and suppose I was, it's... A, it's um, I was thinking maybe I could write something to fill in that blank. And then I discovered that it's a bus route in London. I was thinking, no, I do a binaural journey on that bus route in london and then i thought well why london and so i was lost in my own you were you were riffing, riffing on the number 428 well 428 amazing podcast that i was going to create for you for 428 and uh so so i i don't know how i am or where my hat is <laughs> well great to have you anyway martin thank you very much for joining us and of course we've also got let's say hello to mr rich hilton we haven't seen him for a while rich hilton's over there in connecticut where he's part of the chic disco empire uh, where he plays keyboards, also uh, in the studio for Mr. Noel Rogers. How are you, Rich? Very well, thank you. I'm glad to hear that. Have you finished travelling for the summer ho- for the, hol- the Christmas holidays? Uh, yes. Yeah, I expect to be home for a little while now. Oh, I'm, gla- I'm glad to hear that. I expect to have a week off as well, which I'm also really looking forward to as well. But oh, we good. will hopefully have a show next week. We'll have to see uh, how it goes. And, of course, we've got Mr. Gaz Williams uh, over there in Bristol, where he's a professional bass player, Mastering engineer, producer, music technologist. In fact, you may have seen, Gaz, um, your Cubase 8.5 review dropped today. Congratulations. Oh. Hey. <laughs> Hopefully people aren't too sick of me. Um, the quest is over, Nick. Never. Oh, right. The quest. The quest is over. The thing over there behind me, oh, on the lower shelf. I can't really make that out, but... Ah, that's all right. The... My drum quest is over. I'm sh- I'm convinced about it for uh, my electronic drum quest. I I just got hold of a Vimona DRM one Mark III. Ooh, I think. Which Let me see if I can find a, uh... a thing of astonishing beauty. I'm amazed. It's just it it sounds full of soul. It's an amazing thing, and I'm driving it with a Beatstep Pro. Wow, that's this thing, isn't it? That's a big old box of box of knobs right there. Yeah, so it's eight analog synths, all voiced to be essentially different uh, uh, drums, different, you know. Um, and then the Beatstep Pro is just the most perfect combo. It's like the killer drum machine; those two together. It's so oh. you riffing like a maniac, are you? Oh, it's incredible. It's not very, not like, very portable though. No, no, no. This is a studio thing. But 
it's making me dance all the time. I'm just jumping off, jumping off my drum stool. You know, I, I, I sit on a drum stool when I'm programming my beats just to give me some degree of authenticity. <laughs> sort of drumming us. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it keeps making me jump, jump off my, off my stool, you know, just to dance. And that's, that's awesome. That's I, I, I'm hoping we're going to hear something from that at some point. Um, it, sometime then oh definitely definitely well glad to have you aboard gas very very kind uh, of you join us uh, to take you away from your reverie uh we had a vermona performer here for for review many many years ago and it's a a thing that's astonishingly well built then all the knobs are kind of like solid metal knurled it's all kind of pretty hardcore hardware isn't it everything everything about everything about that thing i love like the fact that it's got individual outs for each drum voice, but they're also insert points. So, you know, so it's cool if you want to take it, you kick out of the stereo mix, just plug in. But if you want to just insert effects in, just, you know, very simple idea, but, you know, amazing. Bloody and the way brilliant. It works, oh, that's brilliant. Yeah, brilliant. sounds like a great that's idea. Amazing. But the other thing that's amazing about it is to make it learn MIDI stuff, you just simply boot it and either hold one of the trigger buttons down and it'll learn whatever MIDI channel and whatever MIDI note is coming in at that point. Or you hold two buttons down and then it'll just instantly learn the next eight MIDI things it receives on whatever channel you want as well. So it's just really, really uber quick. Nice. Really, really quick to, to, to set up. And then you're good to go then. So it sort of integrates really, really well with a computer system. But it, I- I'm. I'm. But, are you going to fire it up today? You can't just talk about it all for, for this long and not actually. <laughs> but um, I mean, while you're, while you're th- well, at some point, we'll, what we'll do is we'll we'll start with a topic number one, which I think is in very a very different um, thing, um, I suppose, but also strangely beautiful. Hi, I'm Uli Baranowski from Galaxy Instruments. What you're listening to in the background is the Una Corda, a new very special virtual piano we created in cooperation with Native Instruments. I'd like to tell you a bit about the concept behind Una Corda, about the recordings and the production and give you a walkthrough of what sounds Una Corda is capable of. We went to a special great sounding room to record this one-of-a-kind instrument. Saal 3 at the Funkhaus in Berlin, the famous old broadcast studios in Eastern Germany because you need a great room to reflect the special smooth tone of the Unacorda. And we took quite some effort to capture every detail using very close and distant microphone setups for a smooth but in-your-face sound together with the depth of Saal 3. There are a few singularities which make the Unacorda virtual instrument special and it starts of course with the original instrument itself which has been created by piano builder David Klavins and pianist Nils Fram giving quite some input on the concept. I won't play it all but I, I just, it just struck me that it was such a beautiful sounding thing. This is uh, the native instruments, well it's the, the sample instrument for Unacorda single string piano which i've never heard of before but it sounds absolutely wonderful i know rich you're a bit of a closet pianist or perhaps right up front out of the <laughs> out of the closet pianist <laughs> there he goes didn't that did what did you think it sounded lovely i thought didn't you th- yeah sounds really cool and of nice course demo a lot of good features a lot of stuff you can do to it a lot of prepared piano-y kind of stuff that it does it, it's a really uh, kind of unique and cool instrument. They've got a bunch of unique and cool pianos over there at Native Instruments. I know Tom Scarby did one. 
Um, and uh, this one is very interesting and very cool. I liked it. I guess the, I think it's really funny that the guy's name is what is it? Clavens? Isn't yes. that the word for keyboard in German? I, I, I don't. I think it's something along those lines. But it's damn close to the word for for keyboard in German, which is maybe he changed his name because he made he made one. But uh, yeah, no, I just thought. It, Right. The thing like, is, you know, is, DJ I mean, Jimmy Jam, you mean? Yeah, <laughs> DJ Jimmy Jam. It's uh, like sort of the DJ Jimmy Jam of the piano world. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think it could be something along those lines. But it just struck me as a, a, a what a beautiful physical thing itself. You know, the, the I mean, I, I guess tuning is going to be a real key with something like this because obviously with one string you can't do any of that sort of uh stuff you know you you don't have any of that beating but the purity when it's in tune absolutely gorgeous i know well, the, the yamaha pianos uh the cp60 that i have somewhere in my garage wait rotting away uh has mostly one string per key although some of the higher i think the top ones have two rather than the usual piano three ah, so that, okay. those were already kind of like string light to begin with Oh, right. Okay. And I guess because that also had that funny, it has a very unique tone, doesn't it, as well? Sorry, Mark, I saw you talking, but I can't hear you. Oh, it's because I'm, I'm mad and insane. Oh, ah, okay. That's talking fair to myself. That's fine. <laughs> I just wondered if you're still here. This, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful sounding thing. Is there something about, uh, uh, I mean, because pia- piano to piano to piano, I mean, I struggle to, to find the difference, obviously. You know, I mean, I know what sounds nice, but something that's that different is really quite uh, unusual. What do you reckon? 11. Something's or a 12, ha- what's or a that noise? That noise? I don't know what that noise is. I don't know is. what that noise is. Is it, oh, is it PJ ringing? I don't know. Well, it P- might be PJ ringing. It might be, but it's, he's coming in on the wrong, I just, I, the wrong I, one. Okay, hold on. Should I go on? Should no, I? Yeah, I'll please carry on. on. Hold on one sec. So, okay. Tell me when. Carry on. I'll carry on. I love pianos, and I love new agey can, kind of spiritual sounding pianos. And the one thing about this whole thing uh, for me is not only is the piano beautiful, but the guy speaking sounds a bit like this spiritual teacher called Eckhart Tolle. And Eckhart Tolle does this kind of until you practice surrender. The spiritual dimension is something you read about, talk about, get excited about, (laughs) write books about, think about, believe in or don't. And I used to listen to Eckhart Tolle and I found myself going into this kind of trancey sort of meditation, listening to this guy talking about this piano. Uh, and I'm just, to- I want it. I want that in my, in my, uh, in my contact library. I mean, it's just right up my street. And I just, I like it. Beautiful. Beautiful. Excellent. What about you, Gaz? While I try and sort out PJ, PJ's coming in on uh, Rich's channel. So I'm trying to reach him. Well, I think what's interesting about this is this idea of taking very singular instruments and the space as well and really capturing the really capturing that in a very creative way but it's also must be very i think quite exciting if you were the instrument builder just to know that that your instrument is going to be you know that that so much music is going to be created on on your instrument and i think it's a real nice motivation to build increasingly interesting instruments knowing now that you can turn it into a virtual version of it and there's you know, a potential market for it. So I think that that side of it interests me quite a lot, really, because, um, you know, we have seen 
plenty of this before, haven't we? You know, um, from like hang drum sample live, all sorts of, you know, very, you know, multi-sample specific instruments. But, uh, but, but, but the actual building of really interesting acoustic instruments and the, the way that they link to the place, uh, you know, to the room and capturing that in a very ambient way like they've done here. I mean, I can imagine that this thing is just going to be incredibly inspiring for a lot of people, you know, just to play, just because that sound is going to be evocative and that evo that yeah. evocative feeling is going to sort of bring out certain musical ideas. And, uh, yeah, really interesting, really interesting. Gorgeous sounding. Uh, I, I love I love it that the attention to detail by the people who've sampled it. So with mm. so many microphones in the room and really working on getting the different felts and the different hammers and all that sort of stuff into the into the, the kind of the the sample player is uh, the attention to detail is uh, worthy of the attention to detail of the instrument builder so i i just think it looks unbelievably cheap to me actually i think it's underpriced um and i'm i think i might have to buy it for myself for christmas <laughs> <laughs> Um, the other thing that's quite interesting about it is it's recorded at the Funk House, which is where they're going to be doing the Superbooth thing in Berlin. And that's the old broadcast building in uh, Berlin, which does look pretty interesting uh, mm. as well. I'm just going to try and get um, PJ because basically uh, he's, send, he's calling in on uh, the wrong channel. So I'm just going to send him a... Mm. I'm interested to know more about this Funk House. Yeah, I, I, well, it's a beautiful-looking building. I mean, it's in the heart of Berlin, uh, and I think they've got a lot of recording spaces there. And it's an old... Mm. Uh, um, uh, well, I'm not entirely sure what uh, the uh, uh, what what it's used for now, but uh, like I say, the Super Booth, which is going to be before Music Messe, uh, where it's sort of pure... If you're familiar with Music Messe, uh, Andreas Schneider from Alex4 and uh, Schneider's Bero, they've got a very big modular dealer there, and they're basically setting up their own kind of show because uh, Music Messe is, uh, is obviously easy to get lost in it's a massive thing and it's also hugely expensive mark you seem to be changing hats at a rate of knots which is awesome <laughs> <laughs> well it is christmas you know i feel I'm... i feel i should have my uh, my noddy hat on but i didn't i didn't do it. i thought i might save it till next week um but we'll have to see right I, i'm i'm sorry i'm just trying to do multiple things at the same time because pj is uh like I say, is trying to get through but i seem to have two contacts for him and he doesn't seem to have picked up i haven't picked up the right one let me just see what I'm doing here. Excuse us, live listeners. Maybe the thing I'll do is uh, just <laughs> press. He's emailing me as well. I'm missing Dave's Santa hat right about now. He usually has a Santa hat on right this time of year. Yeah, maybe we're a week early, probably. <laughs> yeah, but Mark, right. Mark's doing a good job, really. I know. I'm, I'm trying. Trying very hard. Great this is my audition, right, as a, as a multiple hat wearer. Maybe I'll get signed by MCA or something. Or <laughs> Capital Records. Titfus. Capital Records, as in cap, as in hat. Come on, there's a button for you. <laughs> Very good. I, I like that a lot. <laughs> Excellent. Right. Okay. Sorry about this. I'm just sort of trying to do many things at the same time. And, and that's one of the disadvantages. If it's not all lined up, the solo production kind of tends to fall to pieces. So I've sent PJ a contact. So I'm hoping... He will be able to join us. Right, let me see. Uh, I might be able to get him. Hold standby. I see some movement. Let me see what's going on here. PJ Tracy, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. 
Hooray! With the wrong lower <laughs> third, but there he is, PJ Tracy. So I'm glad. I'm so glad we managed to hook up it ultimately. But uh, it's been a bit of a uh, one of those one of those days. How are you, PJ? You've got to get rich I'm, back. I, I'm very well, thank you. And yourself? Uh, we're good. You know uh, uh, Mark Tinley, of course, and I'm not sure if you've met uh, Gaz Williams Hi, before. Oh, yeah. of course, yes. I've done the show several times with Gaz. Yeah, definitely. It's been, it's been a while, but it's good to yeah. see you. <laughs> yeah. So the key, the guys in the chat room were speculating that you've been busy polishing your Emmy while you've been gone. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. <laughs> so to, to no, try, they... Sorry about that. I was just trying to see if I could switch the inputs, but it looks like that's not going to be a go. So, PJ, um, we were just looking at the... Um, Prepare the the the, um, the unicorder. Did you get a chance to check that out? The uh, Native Instruments piano. Oh, I most definitely did. What did you make of it? Yeah. Oh, I think I think it's amazing. Um, the so Clavin, the people that built that. I, am I pronouncing that correct? I think so. Correctly. Okay. They also. I, I'm sure you probably mentioned this before. Were responsible for the Giant, which is the piano that Native Instruments previously. Um, sampled, which is the currently, I think, holds the world record for the largest piano on earth. Um, and these these guys are kind of amazing. Um, if you if you look into their piano building philosophy, and please, you know, interrupt me if I'm if I'm covering ground that you've already covered. No, carry this on. morning. Um, so they have a couple of models currently on their website that are in pre-production and they need to raise the funds in order to build them. I'm, I'm guessing it's exorbitantly expensive to build, um, what know, piano pianos, sound- yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Piano soundboards that are in excess of 400 centimeters, um, and made out of, um, you know, in some cases bespoke materials, but, um, there is a, there is currently a model to create a standard, shaped grand piano well standard is is a misnomer it it's shaped roughly like a standard grand but extremely large at i i believe if i'm remembering this correctly it's 408 centimeters for the soundboard and the um the cover that lifts above it looks like it's made out of fiberglass or perspex or something but it's a it has a bow shape to it and is uh, appears to be possibly translucent. It's it's kind of amazing these designs. But the uh, you know to get back to the unicorda, my impressions of it a little difficult to tell exactly what's going on in a little demo video like that. Um, but I, I'm certain that I met um, and I'm forgetting the gentleman's name who is um, responsible for galaxy sampling um, when I was at NAM in 2008 with Unic. Um, he's a really nice guy and, um, native instruments, uh, they just do a really great job. So I'm, I'm sure it's going to be a wonderful, you know, wonderful addition to their arsenal. Hello. I'm just switching your inputs. There you go. Now you are PJ Tracy. Look at that. Oh, you must be very happy. I, I'm so sorry for uh, this. Is the live live streaming, folks? This kind of thing happens. Well, it's great to have PJ on the show, definitely, and uh, I, I, I'm very pleased to say. Um, I'm, what at this point, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go to an ad because then we can pick up the show properly and uh, and and all be back on track. So, want to say thank you very much to our show sponsors. Obviously, Isotope. They want to tell you about Ozone. mastering tools in Ozone and Ozone Advanced. 
Now, the latest isotope innovations in Ozone 7 bring modern and vintage processing to the forefront of the music production experience. Updated for Ozone 7, Ozone's highly regarded maximizer features a brand new frequency-specific IRC4 algorithm that delivers transparent mixes with less pumping and distortion. Use it to smooth out an unwieldy mix, or tame the kick drum peaks without affecting the vocals. The Dynamic EQ, now in both the advanced and standard versions of Ozone, lives and breathes with your audio, giving you more effective control over your sound without coloring your entire mix. Harness the precision of an equalizer and the musical ballistics of a compressor in one integrated processor. For Ozone 7, vintage-inspired processing puts nostalgic tone at your fingertips to bring the creative color and character of analog hardware to your digital recordings. Glue your mix together and bring a natural feel to harsh-sounding recordings with the Vintage Limiter. Okay, well, I want to say thank you very much to uh, Isotope for sponsoring the show. And also, uh, what we'll do is we'll run the competition now because, as we know, uh, we Isotope are very kindly giving away a copy of Ozone 7. And we're asking you to get on Twitter and uh, you want to tweet the hashtag DynamicEQ and the hashtag Ozone 7 to at Sonic State and at Isotope Inc., uh, where you will be entered to win a copy of Ozone 7. If you want to check out Ozone 7, you go to isotope.com forward slash ozone. You get a 10-day free demo works every time and we do have a winner from last week last week we asked you to tweet the hashtag hashtag super tweak and ozone 7 and we have a winner it's sergio p now this is a very difficult one to read out his twitter handle is at sergio p 74258725 so sergio p 74258725 you won ozone 7 from last week so please do get in touch and the isotope ferry will be sure to drop one in your inbox um PJ, I just want to quickly, because we haven't spoken to you for such a long time. How are you? What have you been up to? Have you been uh, busy making, because you do a lot of composition, a lot of uh, piano playing, all that kind of stuff. What have you been doing? Yeah, it's been it's been a really wonderful year. Um, I've been I've been extremely busy and very fortunate for that. Um, doing a multitude of projects, probably um, one of the most exciting for me is I, I was hired on my on my first video game. Um, so I'm I'm just beginning that process, uh, kind of a large R- RPG thing. Oh, wow. So is that all with sort of, are you having to use those mechanisms like uh, for stacking and all of those compositional methods that everything has to go to it together and work separately and in various different combinations, all that sort of stuff? Yes, sir. Wow. Absolutely. Yeah, fun tough. stuff. The, the Chinese puzzle box of video game composing. Wow, that sounds it's, really uh, exciting. Yeah, it's, it's, it's been great. And, um, you know, aside, Rich, from uh, from the, the chat room conjecture that I've been polishing, <laughs> polishing Miami. Um, <laughs> Just the, winning the, more. The, yeah, the unfortunate truth of it is that, um, you know, as, as longtime listeners to the show and the panel know, um, you know, I, I, uh, I have some health issues. And w- one of the things that, uh, that has affected me over the years has been um, uh, sleep displacement. And so what I found from going to a sleep specialist, and I'll keep this short because I don't want to get too, too too serious here, is that my body sleeps best between 6 a.m. Central Standard Time and 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. And if I'm going to get any sleep at all, that's when I get it. And so generally speaking, I'm not awake right now. Ah, okay. I understand. Yeah. 
Well, that's very kind of you to uh, to break your sleep patterns for us. We thoroughly appreciate that, PJ. Really, very much appreciate it. So, thank you. Yeah, well, I'm I, I'm so happy to be here, and I see that I see the uh, the topics coming in, and I think oh, I want to I want to talk about that, and I thought, well, this is a great opportunity right around the holidays and the year end to catch up with old friends and have a nerdy conversation. So Excellent. thanks for having me. No, really you're more than welcome. It. Well, let, let's get on to uh, another topic then. Here it comes. That, I just thought this was awesome. I don't know why. So this base, this guy, Red Martian, uh, created a piece of music using uh, TR-808, Jupiter-4, Jupiter-6, and a Yamaha CS-15, and had it burnt to <laughs> to an Edison cylinder by a chap called, um, let me see, Benjamin Kennedy, who's uh, a.k.a. the Victorola guy. And I just thought this was such a cool idea, and I don't know why. It just sort of feels like the two opposite ends of the music technology spectrum, kind of the earliest and uh, and later. Here we go, he's winding it up. And it sounds actually remarkably okay, but I'm, 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 well, you'll see what he mic'd it up with, which I think perhaps on reflection may have been a mistake. Should have gone for a large diaphragm, I would have said. Here it comes. <laughs> How nerdy are we? Yeah, this is pretty nerdy. <laughs> Criticize the guy's mic placement as well. Go ahead. Let's <laughs> That's just awesome. <laughs> I don't know why. It seems rather pointless in many ways, but it's just a brilliant concept. I this is great. This is a good bit. That's an early 1900s four-track recording right there. <laughs> the predecessor to the casting. He does a bit of scratching on it as well. Oh, maybe he doesn't. I thought he did later on. He just reaches down and... Here we go. <laughs> Let's see Serato do that. I just saw what a beautiful concept uh, in kind of... What a strange and beautiful thing to do. I mean, obviously, as we know, Edison is kind of uh, one of the pioneers in terms of getting recorded music out there, getting all sorts, you know, the begin, the, the, the grandfather or granddaddy or whatever you want to do, of all of this kind of thing. But what a cool idea. Mark, I'm going to come to you because you've got a new hat on. You, you're looking very, uh, very sort of uh, Australian here. Great idea. Have <laughs> you ever... Try. I won't try doing the accent because no. it just makes it seem very silly. I like this idea, but maybe, well, no, you couldn't have used synthesizers of the time, could he? Well, no, I don't know, actually. Would, when when would, was the RCA synth, the first, that massive, great big thing? When did that come out? Wasn't that in the 50s or 30s, 40s? 30s, was it? Ah, uh, yeah, so a bit, bit too late. A bit too late, yeah. perhaps. I love the idea. I mean, it's like, you know, I mean, we play around with all of this modern stuff and i get excited when new things come in the door but by the same token uh, one of the things that i got sent to do this video encoding job is a video player a grundig uh vcr from 1972 the one that predates um video 2000 even and i just got really excited by it because it came through the door i didn't know what it was and i wanted to play around with it and it's so this to me 
But it doesn't matter what the technology is. If it makes sound, it's exciting and fun to play with. So I love that this person's done this. It's great, isn't it? Um, I'm not sure. I'm, you know, from a marketing point of view. Yeah, I don't know where you uh, could buy uh, physical copies. Ten of them. But, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, actually thinking about it, I'm not sure I sell more than ten copies of my um, my albums anyway. <laughs> I wonder what the I wonder what the the price of a uh, wax cylinder is. I'm not quite sure. I know, Rich. I, have you been to the? Uh, there's an Edison um, museum, isn't there, in Ma- in New York? On is it? What's the name of the island? I think. Well, there's a bunch of them, so but, I'd be guessing amongst okay. about a half a dozen at least. <laughs> but um, I actually do have a story about mechanic. My interest in mechanical musical instruments goes back a long way. Now, this is the beginning of sort of semi-electromechanical. But um, I was at one time in my life, many, many years ago, installing projection televisions in uh, public places and in people's homes. And one day I got a call to go up to Seacliff, New York, and meet a guy named Bauer, uh, in whose home I was going to put a projection television. And it turns out that Bauer's house is a museum, literally a museum of mechanical musical instruments and electromechanical musical instruments, and had the most stunning collection of these things up to and including having built an extra room onto his house so he could add a pipe organ. And he had uh, piano rolls by, you know, Rachmaninoff and Joplin and all these people, and he wanted to play them all for me. And he had all these amazing metallic disc players with concentrically cut holes that would stimulate a set of chimes that had a soundboard. And these things ranged in size from the size of a pillbox to something that would stand up in the corner of your room about five feet tall. And uh, it was one of the most fascinating days I ever spent in that job, that's for sure. And it was great fun. And he had a bunch of Ed- Edison Cylinder players, and he played me some of those too. And he, I, if I had stayed there, you know, three days, he would have kept showing me stuff. He was so enthusiastic <laughs> about the fact that somebody had actually showed up to his house that cared about the stuff. And uh, I had a wonderful day. Excellent. I guess it's kind of like a calling, really. But uh, and I guess uh, that... The, I guess these things must be pretty rare themselves. I mean, I, I can't remember ever actually seeing a wax cylinder player in the flesh. I mean, there must be kind of, especially that one, which was, what, 19... What did you say it was, PJ? 1920 or 1912? Well, they, they, I'm not exactly sure when that particular model that he has there, that looks like a newer model, but I think they went out of fashion in the early 19... in the teens. Oh, right. So maybe a 12, yeah, yeah. something like that. Yeah. Wow, Awesome. Gaz, I'm thinking this might appeal to you, sort of like limited edition release for a bit of prog rock, although I don't think the recording time is very long on a wax cylinder, right? <laughs> uh, um, yeah, I mean, these things are great, but it's a really good way of getting known as well, isn't it? You know, Noticed, these, yeah. Getting noticed, and that, I guess, um, is a reason to do it. But but it's a good, you know, it's a good way to get noticed. Um, but... Uh, yeah, cause the sound was quite. I found the sound really pointy. Know, you know, it, but it, it was drawing me into it. Right, it was, it was doing something that was peculiar, and it was, um, it, yeah, nice. Yeah, I it's, can't. 
It's funny, isn't it? All of those, because in many ways, the the what for recording that stuff is almost the opposite. They had these kind of large horns that you would stand near enough and you play into <laughs> it and it would move, you know, amplify the needle and cut the... So they'd cut direct to wax disc and then presumably, uh, which would be a softer kind of wax, and then they'd make the... I, I don't know, that, that, there's a really good documentary about the history of recorded music uh, by a chap from the BBC and he starts off with Edison and the whole... I, I think I might have talk, talked about it before. Uh, well worth checking out if you get the opportunity. But yeah, do do check that. That was of, uh, on, on Synthzone. A great, uh, great find there i wish i'd found that one myself um let's try something else hey nick so, can i mention something oh yes that? of course pj thank you um so one thing that i noticed when listening to that recording that really struck me and is that is that all of the information that you need to hear to appreciate that music appears to be there um so it's it's heavily band passed you know in, sure. in terms of the frequent frequency response that we're used to hearing today with the modern recording equipment that we have, but it's it's amazing how uh, there doesn't it doesn't really feel like there's anything missing, and that you can you can actually appreciate the the spirit of that music coming off of the of the wax cylinder, and that that just struck struck me as as something interesting. No, that's an interesting point. I guess the dynamic range is very limited. So I mean, as with MP3s, you know, things are heavily. I wonder how you master for that. So it would be um, certainly on. When you hear older um, wax recordings, you know, the, the kind of quieter notes tend to disappear into the noise. So I suppose yep. if you have a higher overall loudness, and the ear will attempt to make up what it can't hear as well, isn't it? Mark, in maybe, a new hat. Um, maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe Isotope need to add that as a preset in their mastering plugin <laughs> so that people can, people can master for these cylinders. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. Maybe because, as we know, um, vinyls are increasing, isn't it? And, and mastering and what have you. So I guess there might be might be room for yet another preset, another a, a wax cylinder mastering plant. And Jack White just opened a new vinyl plant somewhere in the States to, to cope with demand because even though there's a lot of, uh, uh, certainly sort of contemporary dance music being released on vinyl, it's Can all I, being sent to Europe. Yep. I heard something the other day um, talking to a, a friend of mine who's got a, a really cool label that put out a lot of stuff on vinyl. He, he said um, the vinyl plants now, because of the, the upsurge in uh, vinyl interest, um, they're, they're printing things like One Direction. Uh, you know, One Direction are releasing their stuff like on big, vinyl. big pop acts, yeah. And the thing is that the vinyl, the, the vinyl plants that have been catering to the sort of the relatively small market for the last 20 years just haven't got the capacity to do these sort of big thousand multi-thousand runs and it's been selling it in tesco apparently on you know one direction <laughs> vinyl. that's the equivalent of walmart in the uk but right. this has had a this has had a real big problem to sort of the cool you know smaller labels because the lead the, times are out to capacity you know because of this kind of mainstream you know it's the downside of this uh mainstream sort of success of you know or you know trend of vinyl yeah I, I heard it was months and months and months waiting list in fact yeah, i'm, I'm sure months, we're six talking months waiting to... list to get vinyl wow that's amazing isn't it I'd, I'd heard i'd heard a while back that uh one of one of the reasons why is that there hasn't been a new lathe produced in over 30 years can anybody else verify that? I, I remember reading this in an article. Oh, what, a mastering back, lathe? Yeah, yeah exactly. It's quite, yeah. it's quite possible. Yeah, cutting. Ah, no. And that um, there's a, there are a couple of um, bespoke companies in the United States that are working on new lathe technology. 
to try to inject I, uh, some. You know what? I'm sure yeah. some NAM, several NAMs back, there was a. It was like a a, a, a new mark or somebody like that. One of the big kind of DJ Vesta. things. A Vesta, Vesta cre- yeah, they cre- yeah. yeah, they created a lathe, didn't they? Or there was a prototype of some I kind of lathe. So. It was for acetates, wasn't it, I think? Right. It wasn't, it wasn't okay, that expensive either. It was uh, maybe a couple of thousand dollars to burn. But that's not for creating... Um, that's not masters. They couldn't be used. As no, it's for a, creating dub plates or acetate. Yeah. So it's not quite the same thing, but it's it, you know in a similar vein, I suppose. Yes, well, as the chat room are very fond of saying at the moment, as I like to say to Rich as well, who he disappears to wax a hottie, that is very much what was going on there with the Edison. I guess waxing a hottie is exactly what that phrase com- uh, is supposed to cover, isn't it? It's recording into the studio onto an Edison disc, right? I, I thought it had to do with hair removal. <laughs> it could be that too. Oh, hold on, I seem to have lost my... Uh, excellent. But... Um- to, to uh, jump on PJ's point for a second about the sound of horns and the essential stuff that comes from it. At one point, I was wandering through a warehouse looking at a clearance sale of CDs because the distributor was closing. And I picked up a CD of Gustav Holst conducting his piece, The Planets, in 1927 in London that had obviously originally been recorded and probably reproduced through a horn. And um, (laughs) it actually, yeah, I do. I have a live performance of Holst conducting the planets in 1927, and it sounds freaking awesome. Does it? In some cases, yeah, it does. And in some cases, well, I mean, in as much as it's played back through a horn and the various limitations that go with that, but everything is clear. It sounds like a recording from the early part of the 1900s. I mean, that that was sort of the state of the art at the time, was using a horn on the way in and playing a horn on the way back. But um, you can hear everything is pretty much what you said, and that's true. And it actually has more dynamic range than one might expect. I suspect it came from a Victrola rather than a wax cylinder. Ah. The actual. Yeah, and for and for those that may may not know, the the planets. I mean, with Force Awakens coming out this week, the new Star Wars movie, the planets is the suite from which John Williams borrowed much for the Star Wars <laughs> throughout his career. <laughs> Yeah, he's, heard, a, he's a great borrower. We could have a conversation about that too sometime. Yeah, <laughs> m- many great composers are. Picasso said, "You know, good artists borrow, great artists steal." So, <laughs> excellent. Well, that, there we go. There was, and we managed to get a Star Wars reference into the show, which I'm very impressed at. There, PJ, nice work. Um, we'll as as we're getting towards the end of the year as well. As we're getting towards the end of the year, something that's kind of I find quite interesting as well is obviously we've got all these end of year gear lists and what have you. And I think we talked about favourite synthesizers. We did a poll. Uh, we got one running on Sonic State at the moment. But as we got new blood in the uh, in, in in the panel this week, I wondered what people had in terms of you know what's their kind of favourite uh, piece of music technology from this year that they could kind of uh, maybe say actually this this was this was the, the thing for me. And I don't know if anyone wants to go first. Um, because uh, you're all looking, you're not looking in the eye, in the eye, any of you. Gaz, Gaz looks like he's doing it. <laughs> Thanks, Gaz. The, the rest can now think about it. <laughs> Gaz has a top ten list. Are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's a bumper. It's a bumper year, isn't it? It really it's a is. Yeah. Year. You know. So, um, and we've seen, uh, we've seen not just the established companies bringing out things. You know, Roland stepping back into the analog era arena again which you know 
was a big surprise. Uh, but is the JDXA going to make the top of the list? I don't think so. The Profit 6, everybody loves it, don't they? You know, everybody's got one, is just thrilled to bits with them uh, and just seems to, to be just the answer that many people have been looking for. So, I mean, but I mean, for me, I think it still hasn't hit the street yet, but it's still the Parva, the future Sonus Parva desktop analog module uh, for, a, for a couple of reasons. I just think it's um, the form factor looks absolutely brilliant. But the fact that they've got USB hosting on it is a first on an analog synth module, you know, which I think is a, a brilliant idea. That's this little guy here with the lovely uh, OLED OLED uh, screens to the side. The only problem with that is, um, uh, see if I can make that a bit bigger. It's just such tiny, tiny writing that I'm not sure how uh, you know beautiful that yeah. is. But yes, I take your point about the features, mm-hmm. but I I, the, I still have yet and- to. And, and they've been. What do you mean by well. USB hosting? I'm not sure that I okay, clarify yeah. that. What it will do, it's got a class compa- compliant USB host for MIDI in there. So you can plug any of your USB controllers into it. Directly into oh, it without, uh, a, drive. Uh, okay. without a computer. Without a computer. Okay. Okay. So there's okay. been so, a so lot of those things boxes. coming on the market in the last however long, 10 years, but certainly the last five years, USB devices now. That the fact that they always have to go through a computer, you know, it's a real shame because you know. Yeah, so the yeah. fact that that in, that it includes that is mm. one of the main reasons why it gets my vote for the year. The second one is the fact that they 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 made it compatible with MPE, really sort of adhering to um, that the multi-dimensional polyphonic expression um, or, or whatever it's called. I, I got or yeah. whatever it's called is yeah. a yes. But the fact that it's it seems to me to be that really great bridge between, you know, the best of the past and very much moving into the future, as in their name, Future Sonus. But yeah, but I've not actually got one or heard one or not had a go of one. So this is all conjecture. a bit of conjecture. Yeah. OK, fair enough. Uh, on the subject of USB, I mean, I think maybe the product of the year, which isn't really an open thing, is Electron Overbridge. We had the guys from Electron down. They showed us some stuff. We're going to publish a video uh, sometime in the next couple of weeks. And that concept, the way that they're using the USB to aggregate audio and MIDI devices and sync things up. And let, uh, if you combine that with a host mode, there's some really interesting potential. I mean, basically, it allows you to take one wire and a USB hub that's got the right kind of specification to bring up to, I think it's up to four or five electron analog devices in each with their own audio uh, uh, each track with its own audio uh, input uh, stream plus uh, for uh, sending stuff back to process things via analog it's really really impressive but again it's only tied to analog stuff uh, to electron stuff i know rich have you had any chance to think have you got it have you hit me hit me with it (laughs) have you got one have you got a piece of a, a piece of equipment or or software or whatever it may be from the year? AE four hundred Active Equalizer by Colin McDowell. Ah, okay. Mm. McD- that's the McDSP guys. Yes, yes. AE four hundred is in my mind the most game changing thing I've come across this year. Oh. Now I don't get to touch a lot of these fancy new synthesizers that you guys are all over, so I've played those, so I can't 
you know, reflect personal experience with those. But this thing blew my mind and still does. Uh, what's what's uh, so specifically specifically why is that? What's it got that that makes it different? It's a it's uh, a threshold dependent equalizer that allows you to customize the EQ based on the level of the input. So it's sort of like a multiband compressor in reverse. Uh, is it like dynamic so you, EQ kind of? Yes. Yeah. In other words, you can create per band uh, a threshold dependent activity that will take place based on the input level of that uh, frequency. So, yeah. for example, I mean, at its simplest, if you have, say, a, back, a wonderful, lovely female backing vocalist who's just tracked 20 different tracks through your world-class microphone and preamp chain and just tends to get a bit harsh around 5 or 6K when she starts singing louder, it's very easy to create a threshold-dependent reduction in those annoying frequencies so that as she gets louder, she is no longer getting quite as obnoxiously uh, strident. And uh, that's just a very simple application. But uh, it can extend to a whole lot of stuff. And I just think it's the coolest plugin I've seen in years. Wow. Okay. Well, that's great. Thank you very much for that. Ah, PJ, how about you? I mean, I guess, I, I don't know if you've been busy, but I mean, I remember the last time we spoke, you were getting into kind of uh, pretty swanky hardware outboards, like Chandler's and, and that kind of thing. Have you, have you found anything this year that's kind of done it for you? specifically okay so i had to give this a lot of thought and i i'd like to kind of track back through some of the things that were already said um <clears throat> first of all i'm very frustrated with electron overbridge because i own several of their boxes and i they do not have as of now um stable vst support so the only host with which overbridge works and I would say probably works some of the time if the Electronauts forum is to be of any reference. Um, and that's the place where people that, uh, that own the boxes tend to congregate and talk about such things is Ableton Live. And I am, I'm not a regular Ableton Live user. I haven't updated Ableton since version 6 because I just find myself not using it. Okay. Um, so, uh, so I can't vote for Overbridge, although I would love to because i think the concept is amazing and i know that i'll get much more juice out of the electron boxes when um you know when that comes to vst um you know in terms of the synthesizers um i i bought some synthesizers including the electron boxes last year because i realized that i had a dearth of 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 boxes and i really really love the 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 user interface and and the sound of of you know the bespoke analog gear, but I went with a with a Dave Smith's Prophet Twelve, and had I waited one you know one year later, I may have gone with the six. So I can't vote for the six because I haven't put my hands on it. I you know so, like Rich, I don't have access to these things generally speaking. Um, so thinking about what has been most meaningful to me this year, I I think. I think I'd like to vote for orchestral tools, um, their sample software. Um, they, they have the Berlin series, woodwinds, um, strings. They released an update in early April to their software that was free to existing users that completely revolutionized the way that you deal with their samples. And it made it so much more streamlined and, and uh, so much more um, effective uh, as a tool in my arsenal. And I just kind of want to give them a shout out for doing that because I think it was, um, 
probably a pretty hefty development uh, process for them. And as I said, they released it free to existing users. And I, I just think that kind of customer support should be applauded. And it, that's been really, really useful to me. Ah, cool. That sounds great. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess you're doing a lot of orchestral stuff in the work that you do, because, I mean, you, uh, for people who perhaps don't know, as well as the game stuff you're doing, you do a lot of uh, music to picture, right? Are you still doing a lot of that? I, I am, yeah. And mostly the music to picture work that I've done this year has been um, business to business advertising and trailers for uh, IP for Fortune 500 companies. So uh, not a ton of orchestral stuff, although one that went to, uh, you know, one big trailer that went to the World Economic Summit um, this fall was was definitely an orchestral piece. But in the, the video game work that I'm beginning now is is pretty much all sample based orchestral. Right. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Mark, you look deep in thought uh, and with another hat on. I am deep in thought and I do have another hat on. Um, I haven't put my hands on a Profit 6 either, but... I think a lot of people uh, if, who voted for it haven't either, to be we're honest. we're going with hardware, it's the only one that's viable as far as I can see. And the reason I think that is because it looks iconic... So it looks like an iconic synthesizer, which I love. But at the same time, it does something new and different that that iconic synthesizer that I love can't do. So it's sort of, to me, it's not trying to be like the Roland JPO-8 is trying to be a Jupiter-8. And I don't think it really quite makes it. And the, you know, the Juno-6 and the JX-3P and all those. It's not trying to do that. It's trying, it's, it's going like, oh, hello. Uh, we're going to stick to our known and uh, trusted design, and we're going to bring you something new. And and to me, it's just like, oh, hello, I want, yeah, I really want to try that. I don't want to, I don't want to see all of this rehashed old technology. I like, I like the uh, the the kind of uh, classic look of that synth, but I also like the idea that the person that's designed it has thought it through further and come out with something else and had plenty um, of time yeah but i'd like um have you still got that url up i don't want to the put you on the spot J, uh hold on J74. what was it 74 let me have because a i just bought a launchpad pro and i've not owned a launchpad before and um when i first got it i felt like being tied to ableton was a limitation and this guy fabrizio has written this a uh, little standalone desktop application that turns your Novation Launchpad controller into a controller that you can use with any digital audio workstation, and and I think we were talking about it before the show. The key for it with me, for me is that um, I can turn the Launchpad Pro pads into guitar strings, so six rows of those pads become like guitar strings. So I know that if I play an E chord, it's going to look sort of like that, right? <laughs> so I can look at it instantly and just go, oh, I need to do that to play those chords. Oh, I need to press these pads and it will play this chord. I can't do that with a keyboard. I've been playing a keyboard for 20 years. And because I play the guitar more, I think of chord shapes as guitar, as, as guitar shapes. Um, so suddenly this has unleashed a whole new world of chords that I can play via MIDI without having to pick up a mi and and go through the 
you know the thing of a MIDI guitar. So it's it's sort of nice. It's a new way of doing things, but it uses all of my existing skill set to be able to make music. Um, the, uh... And I'm not stuck in Ableton. I can go. Oh, I'm going to go and get main stage and my laptop and just play around for a bit for a bit. Or maybe I'm going to plug it into Logic or I don't know Reaper or Pro Tools or right. Cubase or Reason or I mean you know there's the, the whole list. So um, so I I highly 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 recommend it. And and again I was saying at the beginning of the program I think my launch pad was about two hundred quid. Having spent two hundred pounds on a launch pad, it's absolutely insane not to spend ten dollars. Completely unleashing the device and and uh, and making it possible to use it in so many other contexts. So, mm. um, this is my hot tip for two thousand and fifteen: go and buy this man's software because it's brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Interesting, Gaz. You were using the uh, Launchpad Pro, weren't you? I, um, have you still got hold of it? Have you had a chance to? integrate it more deeply i mean that sounds quite interesting because it is an open uh firmware which is why he can do this kind of stuff i guess right yeah yeah uh, i have to check that out but um just to come back to the topic though of this since of the year um because you know just uh, i'm and i've just opened up the the uh the poll the sonic poll and just just as a bit of a reminder and actually looking through that list is it is interesting isn't it and just reflecting on what we've been seeing year on year more and more things coming out which seem to be more appealing to you know what you know it feels like we're getting more what we actually want with a few things thrown in that we don't necessarily think we want like the Yamaha's puzzling reface range, you know, <laughs> uh, uh, which you know it was. A, well, I a, still think I still I still stand by the fact that they sound pretty good, but uh, yeah. They do. And, I think, but, but I mean, in terms of you know, I nobody was asking they, for them. I suppose is what no, you mean. No, no, yeah. that's right. You know, yeah. and then similarly the Roland Boutique series, you know, which kind of like the reface, there's a similarity going on there. Um, but, you know, we're not really asking for those things. But the flip side, things like the Prophet 6, the Carp Odyssey, you know, that obviously now is old news, but that was still, that was, that was this year, wasn't it? Yeah, you know, it was, buying, yeah. yeah. It was, yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. The, the mo I'm, I'm the quite, I mean, maybe we didn't. Yeah, the modals as well. Yeah, that's true. So. Um, and the big you know, Moog modulars. Big yeah, yeah they, that's true. They, yeah. I was going to ask PJ, PJ, do you use grid controllers at all in your work? Because I, I, I know that you have, your eyesight is not uh, 2020. So do you, would you find some, have you found a use for that kind of thing? Because I'm surprised about the Electron stuff because I can't even see the screens on the, on the Electron stuff. So well, I'm well, so yeah, that, that has, that has been a very frustrating aspect of working with those boxes. And consequently they, they don't get as deep use in my work as I thought they might. And that was certainly a, a consideration when I bought the rhythm and the analog four, but I use the analog four a lot just as a, um, basically as a module. Sounds great, it. doesn't it? It really does. Oh, sound. it's be It's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful piece of kit. It's just, gr it's just great. It's just great. And, um, you know, with the rhythm, I really got into it literally looking like a squinky Mr. Magoo, you know, just sitting over the, uh, over the LCD, um, attempting to program it and got pretty good. Um, you know, to the, to the point where, um, I wouldn't have to, to, to look at it, um, you know, as, as often as maybe, maybe most might 
feel compelled to do because there there are so many sub sub menus. But it's it's been a few months, and so I think it, it it's such an idiosyncratic way of working, yeah. the Electron way. And I know you've talked ad nauseum about that on the show, so I won't go into it. But um, uh, that you know, it 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 kind of it kind of leaves the brain, and it's 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 basically like you need you need to practice it like any other instrument. And oh, so I, I think Overbridge for me, I think, would be the key. You know, to to solving that problem and it almost compelled me to upgrade to ableton live nine and get into that and as geeky as i am i just don't know that i have the time you yeah. know, to, to get back into another daw you know just to work with those synthesizers so i've been i've been waiting for for vst stable support right. so please electron and they won't um you know nobody says anything on the on the forums officially about when well, I, don't, that, I, I can tell you that there is a new uh, OS about to drop. So, uh, really, yeah, I, um, that's what they told me. Well, they came to show us it. It's just that uh, th- we were going to be releasing it before Christmas, but they're waiting a little bit longer. I know Rich just uh, indicated he wanted to come in there as well. I recommend getting a little bit into Ableton to my friend <laughs> yeah? PJ. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I do as it's, well. Okay. It's it's, it's a really interesting. It's a really interesting software that kind of pushes you into directions that you might not otherwise go yeah. and get differing kinds of results that still sound like your work, but don't sound like the same stuff you get in a linear DAW. All right. So I, okay. I think it's I a really cool playground and, and worthy of a day or two of your time. And with regards to your comments about the analog uh, keys or whatever the moral equivalent is from Electron... It does yes, take a little bit of practice, but given a maybe a day or two of occasional usage, I was pretty much had I pretty much had my head wrapped around how to get from point A to point B pretty quickly, and it actually does make a lot of sense and makes good use of their of the available knobs and sliders. My, the display was my biggest issue with them, and uh, we've been around the block with that, and I'm sure they have it a lot. Well, of it, 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 and that's always, you know, that is always the barrier to entry for me, in, including Understood. including sitting in front of my 30 inch monitor. You know, so I'm 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 constantly, and uh, you know, I know as as do do everybody on this panel, you know, hundreds of pieces of software inside and out. But um, my learning curve time, you know, you, you, you can you can double whatever, you know, whatever the the yeah. average audio engineer, you know, has, you know, Didn't... having to integrate it into my workflow. And then after that, because there's no visual references, it takes a little while for it to really sink in before I become extremely comfortable and fast yeah. in the software. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And you have to make all yeah. that disappear that... to make it usable. Yeah, absolutely. I'm... Yeah, you do. Oh, yeah, I... exactly. The technical yeah. aspects so of make... operating something have to Mark, go away. Mark just wanted I need to, to make an important point. In Ableton, in the preferences, you can zoom the shit out of the screen. Sorry, I just said that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Apologies. You can zo- you can just go and adjust your zoom, and you can zoom right, 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 right in. So, um, it, and in a way where you expand the entire interface to kind of you can get a, a really good kind of zoom thing happening. Ah. So I, I, you know, okay, thanks for that. I think it's probably Fantastic. got a, thanks, Mark. A, yeah, gas touchable. The iPad controller for Ableton Live is for me the best of all of the iPad control surfaces for DAWs. The, in fact, 
when you were asking me about the Launchpad Pro, as good as that is, it can't hold a candle to launch, uh, to touchable. It's absolutely outstanding. The workflow really? is brilliant. It, it, you can just go so deep with it. In you know, it, it's it's a real, it's absolutely brilliant. And the fact is, you can kind of change the screen around in a very cool way. To suit your needs. Does it's does amazing. it does it does it mirror the interface gas of Ableton Live? No, it's it's it's, it's, an it's, alternative it's, it's, a, it's an alternative interface, but it's so well thought out, and it's uh, but it's the way that you can, you know, it, it doesn't feel like it's a kind of like a like you 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 can go as deep as you want to go with Ableton on it. I think. Can that's... you control pretty much every aspect of the software from from the iPad then? Yeah. Of the session view, it's very much a session view device. Got it. So, okay. Yeah. So the two, so not the arranged. The That's right. So it's okay. like if you want to really, really get into the session view, I think it's the best way of doing it. You know, better, better than any of the other controllers. Better than the push, in my opinion. Wow, because interesting. I guess that on maybe an, uh, uh, an iPad Pro might uh, might might be something that was worth exploring. But I guess PJ, it's just all more money to spend, isn't it? Really, that's the thing. <laughs> Well, I mean, that's it, you know, and I'm talking to you right now. I, I did, I did bite the bullet and buy an iPad pro. So I'm, oh, right. okay. that's what I'm Skyping in on right now. And if that, I, I don't know, you know, it might, uh, I, I might take the advice of the panel simply because, uh, we can all use an injection of creativity in our lives. And if it would make those electron boxes more useful, Oh, now I need to carve out time in January to be able to <laughs> suss all of this out. <laughs> Thanks for that, guys. Yeah, that's all right. Hey, listen, happy to help, there, happy PJ. To help, happy PJ. to help. Yeah, plenty of options there. Well, look, I thank you very much for all your input about this uh, stuff for the year. I mean, uh, we're going to have to bring it to a close now because I've got to go and see my daughter in her Christmas performance tonight, which uh, obviously is, is an important Wonderful. part of uh, life outside of all of this. So I want to say yeah. thank you very much, everybody, for joining us. Uh, PJ, it's been wonderful to have you again. And and, uh, you know, Thank you. we hope to see you again soon where we can maybe we can hook you up right at the start of the show. And I won't be uh, quite so uh, confused as to which which contact I sent you and all of those things. But thank you very much, PJ. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me, guys. It's It's been a real pleasure to, to hang out with the gang again and, and hear your voices and <laughs> and have just a wonderful conversation about stuff that we all care about 